This is Unbeaten here on WMUA 91.1 FM. Today is November 6th. We got a great show. So let's get things started. And welcome everybody into the Dave Strader Memorial Sports Studio. My name is Ryan Beaton. Another Tuesday morning. Women's basketball was able to catch the dub against UMass Dartmouth in an exhibition played at the Mullins Center. It wasn't a huge crowd. I think it was free to the general public for anyone that wanted to watch the game. But we were there. We covered the game. Had a little bit of technical difficulties. Our Comrex wasn't working. We found the plug, uh, the correct power uh, strip what have you, that will enable us to use the Comrex for next game. So that broadcast, uh, actually tonight, so tune in tonight. I'm not sure whether it will be on the first stream or the second stream. Check Twitter. Uh, I will be tweeting that out shortly. I'll tweet out the um, all the broadcast details. We will be there for that game. We'll preview that game in a second. But, um, yep, so tonight's game should have a lot better quality a lot better sound quality uh, for the broadcast. And, yeah, we'll be a little bit more prepared. The exhibition game, we were sort of getting our uh, getting our feet wet. Uh, we were sharing, like, a crowd mic. We didn't even have the, the headsets or anything, so that was unfortunate. But it'll be me and Cam again on the call, uh, me and Cam Seibert. So you'll hear from us. And that's about the extent of that. So... Um, what I'll do real quick is just recap the exhibition game. Jess George had 16 points, uh, made seven field goals, played 24 minutes, uh, and shot 636 uh, from the field. Asia McCoy, uh, in her debut, had 17 points, uh, played 23 minutes, made 100% of her uh, field goal uh, of her baskets, she shot five for five uh, from the field. Destiny Filoxi was also really fun to watch. Ten points, four uh, field goals made, 19 minutes. And before I do anything else, I'm actually just going to play a clip from Coach Verdi just talking about uh, Asia McCoy and Destiny Filoxi. So here it is. Two explosive players uh, which who were highly recruited and um, you know, did a great job for us during the exhibition game. And uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, the more they get acclimated and, you know, the more confidence uh, they get uh, from being on the court, you know, the better off they're going to be uh, down the road. But we're really excited about them. Both those guys are dynamic. Uh, you know, they could score the ball. That's exactly what we need, especially coming off the bench. We need some bench scoring. Uh, but uh, both those guys uh, can contribute, uh, and we expect them to uh, this season. All right, so you just heard from Coach there. Obviously, he holds McCoy and Filoxi uh, in high regards. Like I said, Filoxi ended up putting up 10 points. McCoy put up 17. McCoy didn't miss uh, from the field. So really cool to watch both of them sort of not only get in the game and score a decent amount, but they also... Um, just controlled the ball really well. McCoy actually put up a double-double. Um, 
there were seven double-figure scores in the victory. Obviously, anytime you put up 109 points against a team, that's just a clear victory. Dartmouth, uh, UMass Dartmouth only put up 51. So that's what Coach had to say about his uh, a couple of his new recruits. They looked really sharp. I thought it was, you know, it wasn't just the veteran players who were, you know, getting good looks. Uh, a lot of the sort of new recruits were getting not only plenty of time, but plenty of time, you know, handling the ball and shooting. And, um, yeah, and also we already talked about Jess George. Jess George, who played 24 minutes. Haley Lydell, 27 minutes. They both scored. Um, Jess and Haley both scored 16 15 points, respectively. And as you know, those are the co-captains for this year's Minute Women team. I actually also asked Coach about his captains, their sort of work ethic, their mentality to be first on the floor and, you know, last or first in the weight room, last on the floor. And he sort of gave this response. So this is what he has to say about his co-captains, Jess George and Haley Lydell. I mean, just, uh, you know, the, the fact that, uh, you know, uh, they've been here uh, for my three years and, um, you know, their leadership qualities, you know, that they bring each and every single day to practice. You know, they, they hold themselves accountable, uh, number one. Uh, they hold their teammates accountable. Um, and as a captain, um, those are the things that those are the qualities that you're looking uh, for, um, you know, from my perspective as a coach. You want somebody, to, uh, you, you need people on your team um, that will do that. And um, I, I think they're great ambassadors uh, for our team. Well, was there like any defining moment uh, in particular that really made you notice that they were like capable of being captains? No, you know, it's just, you know, things that we see each and every single day. They're consistent, you know, they're here, they're invested. Um, both um, on and off the court and uh, you know those qualities alone uh, you know showed uh, myself and our coaching staff that you know they're ready to uh, lead this team overall what do you expect out of your captains day to day yeah uh, again you know to, to show up you know be the hardest you know workers uh, each and every single day um, you know uh, just lead by example uh, be the first in the gym last one to leave um, you know get in the gym get up shots on your own um, again, holding the, their, their teammates accountable, you know, when adversity arises, you know, they need to figure out how to deal with conflict um, and, and they need to uh, figure out how to, you know, uh, convey their messages uh, to, to, to their teammates. And I, I think both those guys do a great job of that. Are they typically the first ones in the gym every day? Yeah, you know, those guys, um, you know, there's no doubt. I, I think they're, they're very different. Uh, I think uh, Haley, you know, is definitely a lead by example. Uh, type of captain where you know she's going to put all that extra work in um, she's going to spend an enormous amount of time you know being in the gym um, you know, I think she's in the gym probably more than anybody uh, you know throughout the summer uh, throughout the fall as well um, you know and, and Jess is more of a captain of you know she's the communicator uh, of the two and, 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 and holding people accountable so there you go more sound bites from coach Verdi um person asking questions was actually Dan McGee. He writes for the Collegian, and he also covers women's basketball. So we both got a chance to sort of sit down with Verdi and ask him a few questions about uh, not only the newbies, but sort of the veteran players that, you know, uh, really hold together his team. He had a lot to say about Haley and Jess and really just how they play not only important captain roles, but different specific roles as co-captains, as you said, 
Uh, he was saying Haley's very lead by example. She's a little bit more on the quiet side. She sort of, at least from his what he's saying about her, um, and that you know Haley just puts in the work. She's always the last one in the gym. Uh, it's she's somebody that the the girls can look up to. And then Jess is sort of on the opposite spectrum, where she's more the vocal communicator. She's more of the the vocal leader. She's willing to communicate things out to the team, and they sort of delegate their responsibilities by splitting up. Uh, well, you know whether that be purpose, like intentional, or just because those are the types of people they are. I think it actually just works out well for them because there's not one captain that's doing everything. But you know, it sounds like the team can go to Haley for, um, or just looks at Haley and wants to be like her. And then when they need to communicate and hear something from the top, they can go to Jess and it sounds like she's a good communicator. So they're definitely working things out pretty well in terms of uh, the veteran players really just making themselves role models for the the younger team. And I think it, it does have a trickle down effect. You have to think that the, you know, the younger players are just going to want to sort of, get to that standard that the the older players have set so far. And I, I think it's interesting that Verdi mentions, and it's true, but um, Jess and Haley were there from his start. Because, I mean, when you think about it, Verdi's only been at the school for, I think this is, what, his third season now? Um, so they've been with him from the start. And, you know, it's not uh, like half the team can't say that, really, because Verdi's still just so new. So, um, but yeah, I mean, when you, when you look at the progress that Verdi's already made with the team, I think what last season was their winningest since like the 2007, eight, uh, season winningest in term, you know, obviously their record, their regular season record was, uh, a couple games under 500 last season. And it seems like, although, you know, it's they still have a long way to go. The progress already been that's been made is tremendous. When you think about it, ten years of just not having just performing at subpar levels, and now you have Verdi coming in and he's starting to finally take over the team. And you know, Dartmouth, a D three team, is uh, no doubt an easy opponent for Division One uh, Massachusetts Minute Women Basketball, but. Uh, it's still promising, 109 to 51. That's a clear blowout, and really, I'm just looking forward to the Sacred Heart game, which is also it's I believe Sacred Heart's Division One. They're just not in the Atlantic Ten, from what I understand. The game will also be played at the Mullen Center. It looks like it's actually going to be on Nesson Plus too, which is cool. Um, so UMass women's basketball getting a little bit extra, more, uh, you know, extra coverage than usual. I believe the men's play right before the women's, so women's will probably kick off. It looks like it's weird, actually. They don't have the time listed on here. Uh, but in terms of looking at game notes and sort of previewing this up-and-coming game, it's important to keep in mind there are a few milestones. I believe I tweeted out earlier that Haley Lydell is uh, very uh, few points away from 
reaching the 1,000-point club. She'll be the 20th member. It looks like the game notes here say she's 70 points away. Um, yep, she was preseason all-conference second team. Probably could have slid in the first team, but uh, ended up getting a spot on the all-conference second team. Verdi, who is 98-105, is two wins away from 100 career victories. So those are sort of the two milestones. If Verdi wins tonight, then he'll only need one more to hit 100. And also, the minute women, as soon as this game's over, they're going to turn their attention to the road. They will be... In Townsend, Townsend, excuse me, on November 11th, that's a Veterans Day, 2 p.m. So that's sort of looking even a little bit further ahead in the schedule. Then after Townsend, um, they will host Central Connecticut, UT Rio Grande Valley, and then Bucknell will be the next game. So that's sort of just a snapshot of the next up-and-coming games in terms of the closest one to date obviously tonight tune in to WMUA it should be either on the it probably won't be on the mainstream just because our wide orbit program hasn't been fixed so most likely tune in to WMUA X you can find the link um, on WMUA.org just click on the WMUA X second stream hyperlink and that should get you to our broadcast game feed also i believe we are simulcast on espn plus if that's still going to be a thing so if you have a subscription to espn plus you should also be able to find the game uh essentially through that through espn's like streaming espn plus service um yeah so definitely tune in for that uh, that's sort of the the plug for tonight. You're gonna want to tune in for the broadcast. That's all I really have to say about UMass women's basketball. So that'll wrap up the first half of the show. We're gonna cut to commercial break real quick. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on WMUA 91.1 FM. This is the Unbeaten Show. This is WMUA Sports. Show your UMass pride everywhere you go with a UMass Amherst special license plate. All proceeds benefit student scholarships and programs, and the special plate fee is tax deductible. Get all the details and order your plate at umassalumni.com or call 800-456-UMASS. Remember to ride with UMass pride. Hi, this is Coolio. I have it, you have it, we all have it. It's called blood. And every three seconds, someone needs blood. Each year, four million people need blood transfusions. You can help by becoming a blood donor. It's fast, simple, and safe. One donation from you can save up to three lives. Be a lifesaver. Call 1-866-FROM-YOU. That's 1-866-376-6968. Toll free to find out where you can donate and save a life today. You're listening to UMass Athletics on WMUA Sports. Welcome back into the studio, everybody. This is the Unbeaten Show here on WMUA 91.1 FM. Thank you for tuning in. This is the second half of the show. If you missed the first half, we talked about women's basketball. We played some clips. 
Usually that's what I like to do uh, here on the show. We try to dedicate at least half the show to women's basketball because that is what I will be beat reporting this uh, year, this semester, this season, whatever you want to call it. So tune in on Tuesdays at 11, the beginning of the show, for all your UMass, excuse me, UMass Minute Women exclusive coverage. We'll try to have sound bites. We'll try to give analysis. And then you can always just pay attention to the schedule, the UMass women's basketball schedule. And we'll also be trying to cover as many home and regional games as we can. So that's just something to keep in mind. The second half of the show, transition here, talk a little bit about the Patriots game last night. Um, It's only fair because anytime you have Patriots Packers, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Tom Brady, you have to sort of talk about that. 31-17 31 to 17 in favor of the Patriots. Patriots moving on to 7 and 2. Packers will slip below the 500 mark at 3 and 4. The Packers have not won an away game. The Patriots have not lost a home game. So it was a little telling. The win sort of went the direction you were expecting it to go. I think people never count Aaron Rodgers out, as you shouldn't. He threw for 259. Uh, two touchdowns, Tom Brady, even better, 294 with a single touchdown. Aaron Jones, the Packers running back, had 14 carries, 76 yards. Corderell Patterson was the rushing leader with 11 carries, 61 yards, and a touchdown. Almost had a second touchdown. I think it got overturned or something along that nature. But, yeah, I mean, Corderell Patterson just showing that the wide receiver position doesn't have to be exclusive to running routes. Corderell Patterson has always sort of struggled with running routes, catching the ball, but, I mean, really does a good job just sort of tucking his head and holding the ball. I mean, he he really should just be a running back. You'd think, you know, people always sort of hype up Belichick as the you know, I mean, rightfully so, Belichick's, you could use the word genius, but at the same time, you, you think it doesn't take a genius to, you know, make the decision to switch a guy who clearly shouldn't be playing wide receiver and would be better off suited at the running back position to just switch him. I mean, he's not good at running routes. He's so much better at carrying the ball. He's, 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 a, he's actually a pretty physical player. Those Those goal line rushes where he put his head down and just, really went for it so it makes you wonder why other coaches couldn't see that um but you know Belichick could I mean you could say he's a genius you could say it's common sense I don't know Josh Gordon with five receptions 130 yards with a touchdown really just turning his not only season but life career around I mean Josh Gordon coming in for what we got him for a fifth sixth round pick uh, in a trade with the Browns. Now the Browns don't even, they fired their head coach, they fired their offensive coordinator, and they pretty much just lost their best asset in Josh Gordon. But like always, the Patriots are sort of, you know, just famous for taking players and I don't even know, what do you want to say, like turning them around, but um, maybe maximizing their potential. So that was really cool to see Josh Gordon have just I mean he he has had some pretty some pretty good games so far but 
five receptions for 130 and a touchdown. That's that's pretty darn good. That was it was really exciting to watch him uh, play uh, last night. Surprisingly, the Packers were pretty close in terms of. Excuse me. Hold on one second. Quick technical difficulty fix there. But yep, um, the Patriots weren't too far ahead of the Packers in terms of total yards. Uh, Patriots came in with 433, Green Bay with 368. But I think really when it comes down to it, the Patriots just make the least amount of mistakes. They had no turnovers. The Packers had that one. Um, But yeah, you know, I mean, the Patriots just always find a way to get it done. They're, They're finally starting to hit their stride like always and just utilizing talent the you know in the best way they they work with what they have essentially and what they have at the beginning of the season didn't seem too promising especially after you know injuries and uh rob gronkowski didn't play uh sony michelle did not play so right off the bat that was a little concerning even just for this week but nevertheless they're still just going to find a way to get the job done i don't even really know what the whole I, i feel like there was a lot of um, I don't know, just people thought the game would be closer than it actually was. I mean, Green Bay, coming into the game, they were only 3-3, three and three, you know, going up against a team that was 6-2, and two. so I don't know. I mean, obviously the Patriots were favored to win that game, but I think people just thought it would be a lot closer um, than it actually was. Or who knows, maybe the hype was just surrounding the two greatest living quarter or playing quarterbacks that are playing at the moment um that's always just going to be sort of a game that people are going to hype up and want to go see and just draw a lot of attention but yeah nevertheless exciting game um sort of moving on to the next topic here we couldn't wrap off wrap up this uh show without mentioning that the Minutemen beat the Liberty Flames in triple overtime on a field goal. So that's just awesome to hear. UMass now 4 and 6. They still have to win their win out their last two games if they want to be in potential bowl contention. And you know, you have to keep in mind they're still playing. They still have to play BYU, which is their next matchup uh, at Gillette Stadium, and then they finish off the season against the Georgia Bulldogs which will be no easy game, let alone win, if they somehow found a way to knock off the college football Division I runners-up from last year. And yeah, I guess we'll just go over a little bit of... We'll just recap the game. Started off tied 10-10, then the Minutemen went up by 7 Liberty Flames put up 21 points in the fourth, and Minutemen only put up 14 in the fourth, and then so that tied the game. Went in the first overtime, each team scored a touchdown. Second overtime, both teams scored a touchdown again. Third overtime comes around, the Flames were not able to convert with anything, and then the Minutemen won it with the field goal. So really exciting homecoming game. I remember. I think last year's homecoming was against Appalachian State. I was actually at that game, and it's funny because Logan Laurent kicked a game-winning field goal in overtime as well. I think that game ended in double overtime. So 
just a lot of exciting homecoming games for UMass the past couple of years. Um, just looking at some of the stats here, UMass, Ross Comas played the entire game, 29 for 44, 540 yards, four touchdowns, and then he had a pick too. But um, I think the most insane stat line of the day has to go to Andy Isabella. Nine receptions, 303 yards, averaged 33.7 yards per reception, and had two touchdowns. That's just insane. Isabella most likely on his way to the NFL as he was pretty much the best receiver in college football this year. I mean, it's still not over, but right now he's got the best stats out of any wide receiver in college football, at least um, bowl sub, uh, (laughs) excuse me, bowl subdivision series. Um, Bowl Championship Series, whatever. I, I always get the two mixed up. Um, and also, Marquise Young, 23 carries, 148 yards off two touchdowns. And, yeah, I mean, Brighton Barr just doing what he does. Five tackles, seven assists. Uh, Isaiah Rogers and Jared Otto were not too far behind him. So, all in all... Good uh, win for UMass. Chalk that up as a sort of moral victory going into the last two games of the season. You're going to need it. Uh, I think they're just going to need as much momentum as they can to carry them in to the last two games. BYU is obviously always going to be a formidable opponent. Independent conference rivals, I guess you could say. Uh, BYU football this season is 4-5. and five. Coming off, just coming off a loss to Boise State, twenty-one to sixteen, but nevertheless, four and five is still a very competitive team. And then you're going to Athens, Georgia, to play the Bulldogs, which is never an easy thing to do. Georgia football just coming off of a recent win against Kentucky. They won that game 34-17. to The Georgia Bulldogs will now move on to 8-1. and They're currently ranked 5th in the nation. Uh, Jake Fromm, who we all know, uh, passed 14 for 20, 113 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, DeAndre Swift had 16 yards, 156 yards. 16 carries, excuse me, 156 yards for two touchdowns. And their leading receiver was Jeremiah Holloman, who had four receptions, 39 yards, and uh, actually no scores. But still, a uh, very scary Bulldogs team. That's going to be the last game of the season. WMUA will actually be there. We'll have coverage of that. I will not, but um, you're going to want to tune in for that. That game will most definitely be on stream one because, we'll. I mean, I couldn't imagine that Wide Orbit wouldn't be fixed by then. But, um yeah, I mean, it could be very well the most important, especially if they win against BYU at Gillette. Um, the Georgia the Georgia game could be quite potentially the most important game in UMass football history, at least in the modern era. I don't know how you could argue that it wouldn't be, you know, going up against a top 10 nationally ranked team trying to make a bowl game. You know, you've ne- we've never even played, and we, I mean, UMass football has never even played a game against an opponent this powerful. I mean, I don't think 
it's just been a few years that they switched into Division One A. Um, and I think I could be wrong, but I believe UMass football is trying to go back down to one double A. Not positive about that. I thought I heard buzz sort of surrounding that. I know one A. There's like attendance requirements and. Uh, I know a few other, you know, like all those players have to be on scholarship and uh, something along that nature. UMass, an independent team, so not really reaping any conference, um, I guess you could say like TV deal, TV deal money and all that stuff. I don't really know how exactly, you know, I know they have a deal with Nesson, but, you know, like if you're a team in the SEC, you're going to reap like a ton of ESPN uh broadcast rights and whatnot so it'll it'll be interesting to see what UMass football does uh in the future but with that being said that's all the time we have today I want to thank you guys for listening to the show um tune in next week Tuesday at 11 o'clock and thank you have a good one